0: Are we ready to open next month? I think so. You think so? Well, it's complicated. Fire protection, first aid supplies, uniforms, safety training, mat services. Oh, and restroom supplies. So uncomplicated. Call CentOS. They'll handle all of it. Wow. One company can handle all that? That's not very complicated. So, you'll be ready? Oh, we'll be ready. Oh, I'm
1: ready. Learn how CentOS can help you get ready for the workday. Visit CentOS.com.
0: You are Locked On Colt, your daily Indianapolis Colt podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome back to Locked On Colts, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Dainley, and we've got a great show for you guys tonight. Uh, if you guys have been paying any attention at all to whether it's on Twitter or just the Colts news in general, the Indianapolis Colts, at least reportedly at this point in time, have hired Brian Decker to be their new player personnel strategist. Now, this is uh, somewhere along the lines of analytics and looking a little deeper, a little outside of the box. Uh, type of approach for the Indianapolis Colts not something that I can speak of at least that I noticed that they've done in the past and who else better to help us kind of understand this and to kind of give us some of his own thoughts and some of what he gets into on a daily basis than Ethan Young. Ethan thank you for joining us today man.
0: Yeah no problem thanks for having me man.
1: Absolutely so tell everybody what you're doing right now who you're writing for uh, and kind of give us a quick breakdown of what you do uh, with your Slatix and so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm all over the place right now. Writing for a few sites. You can find my work at FanRag, Inside the Pylon, and um, did some work for Bleacher this last year with NFL 1000. Um, basically, go to my Twitter page at NFL Draft if you want to see any of my content. That's where it's going to be uh, the hub of it, so, so to speak. Um, and yeah, I can sort of get back into sort of the programs and the and the projects I do. Uh, Talk about slitics, um, which is something, you know, as we go through the prospects, I can I can bring up, you know, individually. But basically the what SLITX is, is we're looking at sort of measurable profiles for players, we're looking at their athleticism in terms of, of spark, football spark, and looking at size and length um, with, with sort of macro measurable profiles. I'm looking at hand size, arm length, height, weight, all that, and, uh, and building these profiles for players. And, and that's sort of the core slits we have we call freak rating, which is size and length, and then the spark, which is athleticism, and the SLA, size length athleticism, is sort of the whole uh, pie there. And that's solytics itself, the base. And where I think it offers the most values uh, with threshold testing, we have upper and lower bound thresholds at each position to determine prospects with the highest and lowest chances of success at each position based on their measurables.
1: Which is all just absolutely mind explosion for the for the majority of us to try to understand, <laughs> but it's really really cool stuff. Uh, it is very interesting and it like it really in- requires you to sit down in a quiet room and read your work to really gather it all to kind of really uh, bring it all in. And it's re- yeah r- really cool. Very like I said very. In, uh, uh, intriguing work and this is something that we're seeing as a trend among NFL teams now I think uh, you know the most notably with like Sashi Brown and those guys in Cleveland mm-hmm. and then now with this uh, you know being you know Brian Decker coming to the Colts at least reportedly like I said it hasn't been necessarily uh, confirmed by the team or anything like that But this is a a totally new aspect on uh, developing and understanding players and and which players to have in your locker room and so on and so forth. So let's first go through the Colts draft picks and kind of look through what you think that you see with your measurables and, and everything that you put together on what kind of a draft hall the Indianapolis Colts had let's start with Malik Hooker obviously uh first round pick on the surface my my thoughts are that the Colts got great value at 15 for him but I know that you've got you know kind of your own thoughts I, I remember your your thoughts on Jamal Adams and and kind of that but I didn't necessarily hear anything about Hooker so I'm kind of curious as to where you feel that he fell uh in, in regards to what you do
0: yeah yeah so everything I do with you know, on the individual player level is tape first, and then, uh, you know, measurables in production, uh, mainly at quarterbacks. That's the main thing I've looked at production-wise in my Semtex project um, on it, on for each prospect. So Hooker, and guy didn't really complete full testing with the injury, but the guy I just loved on tape. was my second overall prospect in the whole class, so obviously loved the value where they got him um, in the mid-first. You know, he's a guy I think is an ideal cover one topper, exceptional single high guy, crazy range and closing ability, big and rangy. Um, you know the, the mental processing ability coming downhill is is impressive, um, and you know he doesn't get rep as a tackler, but I I really like how he can sort through trash and bring down ball carriers by himself for a cover one guy. Um, you know the medical is the big question there, but if you check that off, I think that's a slam dunk pick in the first round for them.
1: Yeah, I I think so too, and and let me preface this real quick uh as well. People he's not just like analytics and all this. This dude won the move the sticks with Daniel Jeremiah the scouting competition. So this guy knows what he's talking about. Great NFL mind here. Uh great football mind just in general. So um it, it it's a really an all-encompassing uh package with with you Ethan. So let's move on to Quincy Wilson here. Uh I again, I thought this was great value being a second round pick. I know that a lot of people had him uh, as a first round type corner, um, I can't lie and say that I watched a ton of film on him previous to the draft, but I liked what I did see. Uh, what were your thoughts on him?
0: Yeah, Wilson was an interesting one. You know, I had him 59th overall on the board. Um, I think he's a good fit in that press man sort of scheme, which I, I think you know you have to tell me a little bit more about what the Colts are doing schematically this year. But would imagine he's a good fit for what um, they look for in Kansas City before with with the GM there. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he's got great redirect on his initial press, loose hips, and can match receivers out of the breaks on their stems. You know, heavy feet in a straight line, not going to be, you know, a deep, you know, vertical defending guy. Um, You know, Deshaun Jackson, guys like that might give him some fits. He does lack discipline. Um, You you know, if he's in zone assignment, he'll, he'll run right out of it chasing guys sometimes. But in terms of, you know, press man, scheme, great fit there. Guy that can come in, you know, I, I sort of compare him to uh, uh, William Jackson last year from mm. Houston. Yeah. Um, guy, sort of a you know on tape, sort of a similar comp. Um, a little bit slower than Jackson in, in a straight line, but a lot of the same uh, strengths. A little bit more weaknesses. I had Jackson graded much higher because he didn't have some of those same uh, discipline flaws. But I really like Wilson for them, and with the way the cornerback board was falling, I think they got very good value there too. Um, They're sort of a cliff after Wilson, I think, and they sort of got one of the last of that of that second tier um, in terms of its testing. So you know the size and length pops up the screen. You've got 85th percentile size and length at the position. Um, all in all, the, the SLA is 62nd percentile. So you know not an upper round player um, in in the athletic threshold work I do, um, but you know above average measurables across the board and a guy that you know the Colts talk about. You know they they value uh, youth and, and, and unique traits, and he and he's a young corner in both football experience and age, and a guy that, you know, has a a special trait in terms of, you know, 85th percentile side and like something unique on an individual player level.
1: Mm -hmm. And his ball skills are good. And and like you said, that is what ultimately what the Colts are doing with their, with their corners, they're outside, they are a lot of press man, but they, you know, uh, at least in the past, this, this, in my, from what I see with what Quincy Wilson brings, is that he brings the ability for both corners to be able to be in press at the same time. Whereas in the past, with some of the you know less uh, less efficient corners that the Colts had opposite uh, Vontae Davis. They would always have at least one of them an off man, whereas they couldn't really, you know, uh, trust both of them to be able to go on an island with a receiver. Well, I think that now, you know, like you said, Quincy may not be quite the vertical defender that, you know, a lot of us assume that he's going to be. But that's ultimately, I think, why they drafted him. Whether we see that or not, I think that that's what they want from him. They they want both those guys impressed because they want to be able to also uh, utilize Hooker in that regard as well. Right? Uh, if he's going to be that center fielder guy that can roll coverage both sides, then that's what they're going to you know attempt to at least use him as. So we'll have to see yeah, how and that it can works hide, out.
0: And it can hide Wilson's deficiency a little bit as well. And when you have a guy that's unique and ranging as, as Hooker, it ties in very well schematically. And, and 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 looking at like positional need for the team and value they got him, um, I think it was a great pick and fit for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And not, it's kind of funny you said that they could hide him, but I think they're going to end up because of the what you spoke about as far as the physicality that Hooker uh, lacks a little bit in the run support and stuff like that. Uh, I think that they're going to end up having to try to hide him a little bit with Gethers too. So it's kind of funny that uh, yeah. a lot of these guys are just going to be feeding off of each other. This is going to have to be a very uh, a well, uh, a, a very good chemistry-laden uh, defense in in order to work. And that's uh, it, it's going to take some time, but I'm excited to see if it can work. It could be re- really nice, uh, at least on the back end. <laughs> so uh, the Colts went in the third round with uh, an edge guy, Terrell Basham out of Ohio. I love this guy. I watched a ton of tape on him, but I want to hear what your thoughts are on him, uh, both from the scouting point of view, but also on the other hand, I want to hear on your SLA.
0: Yeah. So Basham was a guy I was a little bit lower on the consensus on tape. Ended up being my 14th ranked edge rusher. Um, I, you know, I, on tape, I thought he was kind of a stiff limited athlete that just kind of overpowered lower level comp. But Mm -hmm. the thing you do love on tape is the violent and active hands. They're just explosive. Right. And, um, and he's got a good assortment of moves and counters, um, but the lack of explosiveness around the edge, uh, you know, for for tackles, they don't really need to defend the outside hit that much, and they can sort of be prepared for those inside counters at the next level. Um, the slow reaction time to snap is something that kind of stood out too, but he is as strong as an ox. There's no mm-hmm. question if you slide him in at five, tech, he's going to be able to hold his own in the run game. Big question is, can he win with just power at the NFL level and inside counters? I'm not sure. You know, if, if without that sort of that speed trait to keep people on their toes, I don't know if it plays well. Mm-hmm. It will be something interesting to watch. He does have a clearly defined trait, you know, powerful, violent hands, strong lower body, um, but sort of a guy. It, it, Senior Bowl wasn't really impressed with him in Mobile. Um, I know some others were. Um, just sort of guy wasn't really in my taste, saw how he won, didn't love it. Right. Um, on the measurable side, you know, he tested very well from a length perspective as well. The Colts prioritized, it seems, based on this draft class. These guys were very good size and length. And Basham was 80th percentile size and length and a 53rd percentile athlete. So all in all, the SLA was in the 64th percentile. And again, a very above average athlete there with, with a clearly defined size and length trait.
1: Mm-hmm. And and there was, you know, when, when you look at what he brings, that size, uh, it was something that I talked about. Probably a couple months ago, as far as uh, what I thought that they might be uh, targeting in that new edge guy, because a lot of the guys that Kansas City had been bringing in at that edge, you know, as far as whether it's a defensive end or an absolute or a, a, a true outside linebacker within the three four scheme, they were going to mm-hmm. be prioritizing size and, and, you know, with that, the speed, kind of those not freakish athletes necessary, but the guys who had. Both the size and some good athletic athletic traits to be able yeah. to to not only overpower but to be able to set that line and and be able to get both the interior pressure as well as have these guys who can kind of bully on the outside.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he slides in schematically for them. I could see him sort of sliding in and out, mm-hmm. being that sort of versatile base and outside guy based on the down. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I mean. He's a guy that the leverage ability is clear in the in the measurables. I didn't mm-hmm. see it as much on tape as be able to keep defenders or, or offensive linemen away from his frames. That's a trait he can develop, and sort of win across the outside hip with that. And all of a sudden, you've got powerful inside hands, counter moves, leverage ability. That's a, that's a very unique player. Um, mm-hmm. But I like him. to You know, he's got the tools to develop it. We just got to see it happen now.
1: Right. There's now there's a guy here that I'm not very impressed with. At least the pick. Uh, I didn't mind that the Colts went offensive tackle or we'll just put say offensive line, but I wasn't impressed with Zach Banner, uh, the offensive tackle out of USC 6'8", 353. Uh, just, it just didn't make a ton of sense to me to go fourth, uh, your, your first pick in the fourth round to get a guy that's so slow and, and really has an uphill battle as far as I'm concerned to being a, a quality offensive lineman in the NFL.
0: Yeah, no argument for me there. Um, He's a guy lower bound in um uh, which, if you're not familiar, that, those guys' offensive tackles below the lower bound slit threshold have a 5.9% success rate. And we define success as outperforming your draft capital. So that means he has a 5% chance of outperforming his fourth round pick draft capital. So basically, the Colts <laughs> punted their fourth round pick, Yeah, um, is how you can look at that. I mean,. Yeah. You're talking about comps like, you know, successful comps, you know, out of that 5.9%. You're looking at guys like Michael Bowie and Anthony Collins. I mean, these guys are not world beaters by any stretch. So, you know, low upside pick there that's got a low chance of panning out and a guy that tested like crap, Um, you know, 13th percentile size and length, even with in athleticism, you know, the SLA is in the 13th percentile. The size and length by itself is actually pretty impressive. Again, 80 over an 80th percentile, something the quotes really seem to prioritize. Looking at these picks, pick by pick, is they like these guys with size and length, and uh, you know. But the athleticism is just so poor. Um, he fell below the slid threshold, and and on tape that's clear too. I mean, um, you know, he's a mauling type on tape and was at point of the attack, but he's so slow out of his stance and not explosive out of the drive phase. And he opens up his hips way too often for a guy that can't recover. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he has to play guard at the next level. And he is only really going to fit in a gap scheme, which, you know, I don't, maybe the Colts are going to change what they do on offensively a little bit, hmm. but in terms of what they did last year, don't really like to fit there. Um, all in all, horrible picks. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I pretty <laughs> much
1: ag- agree exactly. Finding somebody, like you said, he he's vulnerable, and, and when he opens his hips, he's vulnerable to both ends because he's so slow yep. that he can't close off the edge. And he's so slow that when you, like you said, he can't recover. So you have anybody who is any kind of a, uh, a unique edge rusher in any way, shape, or form who can change their their path to the quarterback is going to beat him to either side. And th- not only does that make it difficult to, to put him at tackle, but that really puts the, uh, the emphasis on the, the, the guards inside of him to help him any more than they should and that's just not something that the Colts can really afford to do right now so uh let's move on to Marlon Mack a guy that I think you know I think that a lot of people would assume that in the round in the fourth round that that was a good uh it was good a good spot for him to go they probably should have just grabbed him in the first uh or in the first pick of the fourth round but what are your thoughts on Marlon Mack and 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 kind of uh describe what you saw from him on tape
0: a great fit for the, for the I think, with kind of sort of changing that running back room. And the Colts don't really have that sort of outside zone runner. And if um, Chris Ballard wants to bring that in from, from Kansas City, something you, you've seen in the past with Jamal Charles and Charkandra West, Marlon Knight's the perfect guy to do that. Um, you know, great lateral acceleration, open field anticipation um, can create out of thin air on times on tape, and not just in the big play sense in terms of broken play. All right, I'm going to roll it back across the field and, and find a four yard gain. Mm-hmm. Um, the ball skills are nice. You know, he's going to be an asset in the passing game, you know, ball security might be the issue there. You know, you see him running down the field and his arms swinging like with McCoy. Right. Um, but I don't think that's something you are going to be able to fix. It's just sort of how he runs. And I don't think you really want to change that because, you know, like McCoy, it's, it's sort of part of his style in, in terms of how he's deceptive as a runner, um, you know, it sort of lacks that a long elite, long speed that maybe McCoy has maybe a little bit slower, um, and at times it does try to get too cute. It's really nice sometimes when there's nothing there and he gets four yards, but other times there's, there's three yards there and he loses seven, right? So, um, you know, there, there are some big losses that are ugly on tape, but I think as he starts to learn um, more, as he, as he ages and gets more t- developed in terms of what works, what doesn't, inside of an NFL scheme, I think that sort of goes away a little bit. You know, USF was a little uh, gimmicky of an offense, Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as he, as he sort of gets into a more pro style, you know, more um, conservative of a game, the NFL is a little bit more conservative in general. I think those sort of go away. Um, you know, he didn't complete testing. Again, another guy with very good size and length didn't complete the athleticism portion. Um, but I love the fit; had him 85th overall on my board, so good value there.
1: And what do you, do you does it bother you that are kind of his lack of carries? Or, or do you think it was more of just a product of what u s f s offense was
0: yeah that doesn't really bother me because you know people bring up the carries thing a lot, and I, the carries thing only bothers me when i can 't determine if a guy has translatable traits on tape or not, hmm. and he had enough touches for me to figure that out that makes um, what sense. you know what how he wins what where he's deficient um, so that no, doesn 't bother me at all
1: right okay, well, now the Colts with their third fourth round pick took up uh Grover Stewart. Now, this is a guy that's probably going to do well with your uh, athletic measurements and, and and everything else. But I just, I mean, and first and foremost, there's limited tape on this guy, too. So, I mean, it's not like there's a lot to work with. But I just didn't see a guy who had any kind of technical skills whatsoever. Uh, and really, I mean, I, and my listeners have heard me say this about him several times already, that he really relied on uh, just strength and power you know or strength and length mm-hmm. basically right. and it, it was just very non-technical I and mean, almost like the the inside version of uh Pasinone or whatever you know the right not, not uber athletic but athletic enough to be you know d2 competition you know what i mean and right and there just wasn't much that i understood about this pick either i mean I, if he turns out to be something, that's great. But like I said, with the limited amount of tape that was out there for him, I watched as much as I possibly could. And I just don't, uh, I just don't see how that he can be considered already. People are already talking about him. He could be the next nose tackle or, you know, the, the, the backup, or even possibly being three tech uh, within a year. And I just don't understand why they could say that with, with such limited resources to find, to see what he can actually do on the field.
0: Yeah. So I've never watched Grover Stewart play football. Let me preface it with that. Mm -hmm. Um, What I will say is basically what what you've described to me, that worries me because he didn't test through the roof in my stuff. So for a guy that's, you know, as as, as you say, guys that are raw technically and don't test up to their hype, so to speak, always sort of worry me. You have a guy like Tack McKinley in this class was somebody that did that. Mm -hmm. Didn't really test up to to the raw toolsy nature they were described as. Um, those guys rarely pan out. Um, I will say Grover Short plays a position at nose where, you know, measurables don't really matter at all regardless. Right. right. So, you know, you had 64th uh, percentile athleticism, which is, you know, above average, but the size and length is only 28th percentile for nose tackles. Um, so, you know, only 55th percentile overall measurables. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about a guy with very average measurables and you know, low-level guy that's raw, that doesn't really sound like a great package to me. Obviously, we need to dig into the tape to really give you anything finite, but that's sort of my opinion on that.
1: Right. And I'm okay with the thought that, you know, they think basically that he's going to have a redshirt year or something like that. That's totally fine. And I think yeah. they. that I just don't understand why you – I mean, again, why do you do that in the fourth round? It's not a sixth-round pick. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. His I'm, pro day
0: numbers did not match the pro day hype he got either. I mean, his pro day numbers were hyped like they were the Messiah, and they were, like I said, sixty fourth percentile. So, really, was wasn't all sure based where on that was his, coming from.
1: It was all based off his forty yard sprint.
0: Yeah, so I that's mean, unfortunate.
1: Yeah, because he's, a, I mean, he's he's a defensive lineman. <laughs> right. I don't understand why that has anything to do with it. Yeah, uh,
0: in well, single single drills like that too, is people get excited about a forty and stuff like that, it's you know, individual for a guy that works with measurables all the time, individual drills are not important. It's more about the entire profile of describing an athlete in multiple drills. Right. Um, you know, in, in in determining athleticism that way, in terms of the whole profile, looking at size, length, athleticism, the whole thing. That's where it matters. And looking through threshold testing, where that matters with press, with past precedent, mm-hmm. um, not just oh this guy's a good forty, this guy's a bad forty. Right. I mean, that, that's where. That's sort of where measurables get a bad bath sometimes, but that's not how they're used optimally. So um, you see, you see stuff like this happen with like a good forty. And it's just frustrating to watch.
1: Right, and and kind of the thing is, is you know, if you look at his ten split, it's not bad. It, it's it's not phenomenal. It's it's good, but the the thing is, is that ten yard split, the explosion doesn't show up on tape, and that's that's that's, that's, that's the point. not
0: that's not exciting. You're right. you're scaring
1: me, Matt. Right, but I mean, and that's the thing. Yes, he has the ability to do it, but I think it's one—it's one of those things where you know, like uh, you see high schoolers do this all the time. You have the uber athlete on the high school team, or even uh, the small-time college team, you know, for that matter. And they know that they're just flat-out stronger and better than everybody else, so they don't have to put yeah. their best foot forward. And that's the thing. Okay, when you're running 40 to go into the, to the draft, yeah, you're going to you know, zip through as much as you can and improve that 10-yard split because that's important to teams. But when they look at your mm-hmm. tape, they see that you didn't put that effort into it, especially as right. a D2. You should be a D2. If you're going to go pro, you should be absolutely dominating your competition hands down. Whether you technical or not, you should be just flattening people. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't, like I said, I didn't really see that. So uh, let's move on to somebody I'm a little more hype about. Nate Hairston. Uh, Six-foot corner out of Temple. Guy who played wide receiver his first couple years in college. And he to me, he's exciting because that he to me, he represents a, a nice nickel spot there uh, in the cornerback core. And that's something that the Colts really need for the future. They need a, another guy that can come in and lock it down. And with you know, uh, Darius Butler moving to safety, who, who I think has a, a a solid shot at probably starting the season at nickel. Um, this is good for the Colts, I think. And and I'm kind of surprised that they found somebody who kind of fit them with the ball skills and a decent 40, 4.5, you know, not terrible. But you like the ball skills. You like the the hunger that this guy shows on tape. And as far as what you hear from coaching staff and other scouts, that this guy is just an absolute workout warrior, and and shows it on the field as well. You know what I mean. So, what are your thoughts on this guy?
0: Yeah, didn't get into a full tape eval, but watched a couple games here and there when I was watching Temple, and uh, he seemed like a fiery, you know, ball skill, you know, nickel. And I think you hit right on the head with that. Um, and, and that's how he tested, too. Um, you know, 38th percentile athleticism for a corner, not great, but doesn't really matter when you're in the nickel. More about, you know, route diagnostics and reading reactability and, and ball skills and things like that. You know, toughness, physicality when defending the run. And and I think Nate Harrison's going to do a lot of those things um, based on what I saw live and, and a couple other times. Uh, you know, I, I think that's a fine pick. You know, wasn't going to, you know, in terms of values, that's sort of right where he was at, so... Uh, didn't love it or hate it thought it was a good fit solid pitch
1: mm-hmm. I agree let's move on to a guy and I'm not going to tell you what I think about him I want your uh upfront opinion on Anthony Walker Jr the 6-1 linebacker out of Northwestern
0: are you not telling me because you're a homer and you're gonna homer him
1: no no kind of kind of well <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just let you go first and then I'll I'll either agree or disagree with
0: you you know he was didn't fail slittics or anything like that but um, didn't really fit the profile the, the Colts have looked for with their other picks in terms of the elite uh, size and length. He actually has only 10th percentile size and length for linebackers, so pretty uh, uh, stout limited guy in that r- regard. Um, the athleticism in the 40th percentile um, was a guy that, you know, cerebral, cerebral type um, program leader there, um guy that was the, the sort of the face of their defense for several years. Uh, production was very good, I think. Um, you know, it was a guy that, you know, People look for that in a mic sometimes. They, they really value the, the between-the-years aspect. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that makes a lot of sense for him because, you know, that coach's son, you know, face to the program type for several years, um, don't hate the value there either. Um, was a thin linebacker class in the, uh, in terms of true mics um, in the later rounds. Not really a guy I would target because of the limited measurable profile, only 17th percentile SLA. Um, but again, didn't fail uh Historical precedent says that's not a deal breaker by any stretch. Um, so, yeah, fine with it. Don't love it. Don't hate it.
1: Yeah, I, I'm. I'll just say I'm indecisive about it because, uh, like I said, what I've seen on tape, I wasn't impressed with again uh, that much. Uh, they they keep talking about you know what what he's got between the years, but as far as his read and react ability, to me, that comes with having having the ability to uh, be able to make a decision on a dime and not have to think about it and to be able to make the right decision. And I didn't necessarily see that with him. They've talked about a lot of his tape being, uh, almost night and day from each other. So, uh, maybe I just watched the wrong, (laughs) the wrong games, you know what
0: I mean? Well, there's a lot of tape to dig through there too. I mean, he's got a lot of experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's quite possible too. So I, I just can't tell people that I love the pick when I don't because I didn't, you know, I just didn't see what other people are seeing. I hope that I'm wrong about him because the Colts do need another guy to be able to come in there to be intelligent because of where they're at with their linebacking core right now as it is. So uh, yeah, I just hope that he grows. I'll be honest with you. I just hope that this guy grows. I hope that that he does enough in camp to make the team, though I fear that he's going to be a practice squad guy who kind of never really pans out.
0: Wow! All
1: right, you're here, here
0: first. Yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna make the team.
1: No, I I just don't know, man. I just it just, it just one of those guys that gets, it has me worried. You know what I'm saying? But then again, yeah. you know they're talking about the like Grover Stewart, the Colts fourth round pick, being you know a guy who red shirts too. And I mean, why wouldn't a fourth round or why wouldn't a fifth round, which was ultimately almost a sixth round pick, in it, to begin with? Uh, why right. isn't it? You know, why isn't why would he make the team over a fourth round pick? You know what I mean? It just well, uh, it and Chris seems Ballard is going to kind of gonna be a place. GM
0: that's not going to care about that at all. He he wants competition. He doesn't care. You know what you're paid, where you've been drafted, and that's something I I've listened to him speak a lot recently, and yep. and that's you know in, in some of those videos and stuff, and that's something he hammers. He doesn't mm-hmm. care. You know, he comes from a culture where competition is everything, and he's not just saying that. And, you know, he wants to back that up. So. I mean, we've seen fourth-rounders cut before, and so getting a fifth- or sixth-round guy cut is not, you know, ridiculous by right? any stretch of the mean. Um, but obviously more, more fifth- and sixth-rounders make the team than don't. You know, you only see two or three cut a year, so uh, a bold prediction there. But, uh, you know, knowing <laughs> the situation, if he doesn't perform, there's no question he's going to – it's going to be tough.
1: Yeah, and, but the thing is is that you have – you've got the four guys that are there in Boston expense, Morrison and Jackson. Those guys are almost locks for the team, you would think. And then you've got, you know, Walker and just maybe a couple guys that were brought in undrafted free agent and Luke Rhodes. And th- I mean th- yeah. that's that's it, you know what I mean? So he might make the team, but it's just it's it's kind of, you know, fifth and sixth guys are going to be relegated at most to special teams duties. And it'll be, it'll just be interesting.
0: That's something he'll he'll do well as as, as well as special teams. That's, you know, a a place he does as well. So
1: I agree. I agree. So let's kind of finish the show uh, where we started here with the talks of Brian Decker coming to the Colts. What does a guy like him, as far as what he brings uh, to, to a franchise or an organization mixed with the, uh, like a a guy like Ballard who is all about the tape and all about the scouting. What, what does Brian Decker bring to the Colts?
0: Yeah. So, you know, I've talked a lot about measurables and and, and, a little bit with production with Semtex earlier. Um, I've never met Brian. I'm very familiar with his work. Um, we've talked a little bit, um, online and he's going to do it a completely different way. Um, he has an army background, a military background, Um, And and things he's testing for and looking for in the data standpoint are all between the years. Mm -hmm. Um, So he um, does something, he performs tests on players at the combine. Um, This is my basic understanding of what he does. Uh, does, Performs tests on players at the combine, uh, mental tests, um, scores them based on how they perform and react and determines um, sort of their, I don't want to say work ethic, but it's along that line. Mm -hmm. um sort of their mental um ceiling so to speak um guys that are uh, sort of have that you know that special trait that everyone's chasing um I don't know if it works over a macro sample I haven't seen his data I do know it likes Jimmy Garoppolo a lot Mm. um back in the day when he was with Cleveland um Mm -hmm. he, he had a chance to go in with the Michael Lombardi Cleveland era um they all got fired after a year and he was gone. So there was, you know, his work never really got to stand the test of time and, and really be applied. Right. Um, and, and and again, I have not seen it on a macro scale, um, but, you know, it comes from a, from a military army background of, of vetting um, army guys that way between the years in terms of, you know, um, do they have what it takes? And, and that's what he's looking for in football players, right. guys that, you know, are tough. And, you know, that kind of fits in with what Ballard I think wants as well. You know, he wants guys that are tough and physical and, 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 and scrappy. Right. And I think that's sort of what, um, Decker's looking for in his, in his testing. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, the marriage of those two sort of a different look, you know, not a lot of people because of you need the access on these players to do this sort of testing, right. It's not something I can do sitting at my laptop. Mm -hmm. You need to be there with the players. So we'll be interesting to see how it looks. Um, you know, the data set's going to be limited because of that limited exposure. Um, I do know some other people are doing similar things inside the leak already. But again, that's something that's not at all published, so we don't know how it works. Right. Um, but but we'll, we'll be interesting to see, you know, as we get limited information, um, how it plays out. Yeah,
1: it was really interesting reading Seth Wickersham's piece on this guy. Um, like, I honestly, I'd never heard his name before, ever. I knew you would. Yeah. Or I knew you would have. So, I mean, that's <laughs> – but, you know, ultimately it says that – I mean, and in, in kind of what you said just in reiteration, that he was basically trying to crack the NFL character code uh, as far as, right. you know and, – and this is what he was doing with Green Berets. He, he apparently was trying to reinvent – or did reinvent ultimately the process for picking them basically by going inside their head and trying to find out what kind of a person they were, what kind of a worker and teammate and everything else that they were for that. And with he goes into this, apparently what he had done uh, throughout the process, at least with the Green Berets or whatever it is, he dropped the uh, drop rate of Green Berets down 30% from where it had been. So that tells you that something that he was doing was you know, correct. And that's really interesting when you look at – I mean, because he really impressed – uh, apparently, Bill Belichick uh, in Indianapolis. You know when those two. But that's talked. how he got
0: into Cleveland as well. With right. Lombardi was a Belichick guy, so. Right,
1: and that was kind of something that you know he would, he had brought him to New England as well, and had him you know wanted to talk to him and stuff like that. And that, that's just really interesting, especially when you can get. Uh, that kind that's in that what we're trying to do is everybody's trying to get inside Belichick's head and try to find out how, you know, he takes a sixth round pick that nobody's heard of and turns him into an all pro or takes the guy that is a cast off from another team and turns him into a, a vital part of the defense or, or an offensive line somewhere, whereas he's giving away top picks you know, for, for that. And everybody's kind of looking at each other, like what's going on. And it ends up being successful. This I think is what is Ballard's version of trying to figure that out. And if he can come in and even make an impact and actually have a slight dent in the, the ability to bring in these character guys and that. That's going to be a a big help for the Indianapolis Colts, not only to find the right guys to fit the system and to fit, you know, the, the scheme, but to also find the guys who not only want to be there, but want to win there and, and, and win, not just on the field, but in the locker room and, and as a person. And those are the guys that stick around. No question really interested with this guy. This is something that is coming on. And a lot of the talks now are are also involving, you know, some of the other scouting department guys that the Colts are going to be in. So it's going to be exciting over the next week, probably, I would say, as far as some of the changes in the front office and the personnel. Um, It's going to be a whole new crew in Indianapolis. uh, And I think that Colts fans have a right to be excited. So uh Ethan, yeah. thank thank you so much, man, for coming on the show tonight, man. It was really a blast to hear uh your takes on the on the draft picks and to give us a little bit of a background on what Brian Decker can do for the Colts and kind of what he's here for.
0: Yeah, well thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Have fun.
1: Absolutely. Uh tell everybody where they can catch you on Twitter.
0: Yeah, at NFL Drafter, um just like it sounds and uh that's where all my work will be and all my takes and all my tweets.
1: Excellent. Thank you guys for listening. Get to iTunes and give me a rating and review. You guys have been fantastic about that so far. Like I said, that's helping the show grow immensely and you guys have no idea, but keep doing that. Keep it up. Make sure that you guys, if you want to utilize the call-in line, it's 574-516-2881. You want your question answered on the show, call in we'll put your voice on the show and i'll answer your call on the show every single time so utilize that call in line if not hit me up on twitter at NFL. you can also catch the show at locked on colts as well so thank you guys all for listening and we'll talk to you tomorrow right here on locked on colts you are locked on colts your daily podcast on the indianapolis colts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: Hi, I'm Paul. Verizon has been placing giant letters all over the country to get people to buy into their Unlimited plan. Don't get hooked. Switch to Sprint Unlimited, 22.50 per month per line for four lines and get the fifth line free. party to your local Sprint store, visit Sprint.com Unlimited, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1 today.
1: Savings until still 10 Then 30, $38 per line per month for five lines without auto pay. Excludes taxes, surcharges, roaming streams, Adobe, HD, 1080p, music to 1.5 megabits per second. Gaming up to 8 megabits per second, subject to credit, $30 activation fee, per and network use and data deprioritization apply. Compared to Verizon Beyond Unlimited, carry features different coverage and offer not net, everywhere. Restrictions apply.